We want to be praying for them and just so many others, so many things that are happening. And those words just hit in a different way today through the storm, through the storm, whatever it is that we are walking through, he is Lord over it. So if you have your Bibles this morning, trust that you do. I'm going to invite you to open with me to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, and for those that are new to FBCO, at the beginning of every year, we always ask our members of the faith family to seek the Lord for a word for the year, one word anchored in the word of God that will become your prayer for the new year. And this is now our eighth um, year taking this journey together, and there have been some great words and some great stories of things that God did through those words. I think about the, the very first year we did this, and God gave me the word multiplication, and I was thinking multiplication from the church and discipleship, and little did I know that God, um, through that process, would also mean multiplication of our family and adopting Malachi and starting that process. So I had no idea that's what God had in, in mind, but um, so thankful for that journey. And every year as I seek God for my word of the year, it's not just a word for me. It's a word that I, I pray over my family. It's a word I pray over this faith family. And just, just praying in, in that regard. And you know, if you think about it, every word that God gives to us is not just for us. Every word that God gives to us is intended not to stop with us. It's intended to spread through us. I mean, think of it like this. There are two major bodies of water in in Israel. There's a Sea of Galilee and there is the Dead Sea. The Sea of Galilee is beautiful. It's teeming with, with life. It flows from the Mount Hermon and goes into the Jordan River. But then there's the Dead Sea where the water comes in from the Jordan River and yet it has no outlet. It stays there and the, the salt concentration is so high that nothing can live in the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is salty. It's so salty, get this, because it has no outlet. The reason the Sea of Galilee is so sweet is because not only does it have a, an inlet, it also has an outlet. Water comes in and water goes out. It both receives and it gives. But the Dead Sea only receives and it never gives. Therefore, it's dead. And the difference between these two lakes make, make a very good spiritual life lesson and that lesson is this brothers and sisters we are not meant to be consumers we are meant to be conduits we are meant to take in the word of God to take in the blessings of God but we are also meant to let those out let the word of God out let the blessings of God out as you pray and as you seek God for a word this year also ask him not to let that word stop with you but to spread through you. And let me be very careful how I say this and how that comes across because if we're not careful, we think that because God speaks to us in some way that God is absolutely speaking to somebody else that same way. And we think sometimes it's our responsibility to legislate what God tells us upon others. And now there are general principles in the Word of God that apply to all of us without a doubt that we can help encourage people to do and to live and to walk. But there are some things that God is calling you to do. And instead of sitting around going, well, I can't believe they're not doing it, why don't you start by doing what God has called you to do? Um, begin there. Don't begin by worrying about them. Begin by worrying about what God has said to you. And then maybe through your example, through your obedience, through your faithfulness, they might come alongside and join you or they'll do what God has called them to do. So it's not about legalism here. It's not about legislating what God has called us to others. But if God has given you a word, it's not meant to stay with you. Share it. Share that word with others. So 
Um, all that leads to my word for 2021. And as I sought the Lord for a word this year, I must admit that I struggled to get confirmation. I, I struggled to find my word. And maybe it's because my word for 2020 was vision and I saw none of what happened coming. Um, it, all, it all came out of the blue. It not, saw none of it coming whatsoever. So maybe I, I'm shell-shocked by, by 2020. But regardless of the reason, the word definitely did not come as easy as it normally does. And as I sought the Lord, I went through many different words, many different ideas, and there was no confirmation on any of them. And finally, the word that eventually came into my heart and mind, the word that would not leave, is the word worthy. It's the word worthy. And in no way does this word refer to me. Does it refer to my merit or my worth? But it refers to the calling of God throughout Scripture, at least three different times, for the followers of Christ to walk worthy. To walk worthy. Think about it like this. From the very beginning of this book, God has been looking for a walking partner. God has been looking for someone to walk with him. God had a relationship with Adam and Eve by which he walked in the garden, in the cool of the day. Then we find Enoch walking with God, and God took him. Then there was Abraham and Sarah who walked with God. Then Isaac, then Jacob, then Joseph, then Moses, through David. Men and women who walked with the Lord against a sinful and seductive society. They walked with the Lord, and theirs was a worthy walk because they lived up to what they knew. So when I say walk worthy, what I'm saying is this. It's a walk of faith. It's a walk of grace. It's a walk that's enabled by the Spirit of God. But this walk of faith, is, it's a long walk. It's a long walk in the same direction. There is no place in Scripture where we see the child of God standing still. There's nowhere in Scripture where we see the the child of God retreating or walking backwards. There's, there's no moonwalking in the Christian faith. The Christian faith is about moving forward. Now, we also have to understand the Christian faith is not a sprint. It is a journey of 10 million steps forward. So one step after another after another. And let me just say this. Sometimes these steps are, are hard. Sometimes these steps are, are boring. Sometimes these steps are exhausting. Other times, these steps are a matter of discipline over delight. And what I mean by that is this. There are times in our lives where delight runs out because we are emotional creatures. And because we are emotional creatures, our emotions and our feelings change. There are days where my flesh doesn't want to open this book. I wish I could say that every day I open this book, as soon as I open it, there was like fireworks that shot out. And it was like, woo! That, that's not always the case. Sometimes the, the light is not there, and that's where discipline must step in. We must have the light, yes. We must delight ourselves in the Lord. We must do that. But there are times where feelings and other things stand in the way, and discipline must take over. And the same it is with our walk, our steps. We have to put discipline sometimes over the light, but we keep going. I think of the words of J. Vernon McGee, who spoke of the Christian walk this way. He says, walking is not a balloon ascension. A great many people think the Christian life is some great overwhelming experience and you take off like a rocket going out into space and that's now where you live the Christian life. So some people believe that, that the Christian life is you 
take off like a rocket. You just stay in space above all the problems and issues of this world. But listen to what he says. That's now, the Christian life is now where you live. Or that's not where you live the Christian life. Rather, it's in your home, in your office, in the schoolroom, on the street. The way you get around in this life is to walk. You are to walk in Christ. God grant that you and I might be joined to him in our daily walk. So the question is not if we're walking. The question is how well are we walking? And let me just say this very clearly to us this morning. And I want you to hear this. The ultimate reality is that before God works through you, he wants to walk with you. Before God works through you, he wants to walk with you. Many of us are like, we're like Mary. God, just give me something to do. I just want to go. I just want to go. I just want to work. I just want to do. I want to do. And God's saying, know me. Sit at my feet. Walk with me. And we're like, well, that's, that's good. But I, I just want to, I want to get to the doing. I want to get to the doing. And God says, well, before you get to the doing, something has to be done in you. And it has to be continually done in you. So what I want to do is I want to dive in the word. And I, I pray that even though, let me say this, this is my word. This is what God has spoken to me. But I also believe that this is a general calling to all believers. And I pray that we would all desire to work or to walk, excuse me, worthy of a worthy God. So if you're able, I'm going to ask you to stand as we read one verse a day. We're going to unpack three, but just one at the beginning. Ephesians 4, verse 1. And it says this. I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. And Lord, today we thank you for that calling. Thank you for the calling unto salvation. Thank you for the calling to walk with you, to commune with you, to know you, to, to delight ourselves in you. Lord, help us to walk worthy. Father, today as we walk through this word, I pray that you would just confirm it in my heart and life, even again, that you would speak to those listening here and those listening at home and show us our part in this worthy walk by which we are called. Speak, O oh God, for we're listening. Holy Spirit, speak, move, illuminate, Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. So most of our life is spent walking. We put one foot in front of the other and we move forward. You know, walking indicates different directions, new directions. To walk indicates motion. It implies purpose. It implies progress. It implies perseverance. And in a spiritual sense, we put one foot foot in front of another day after day year after year and we flee the wreckage of sin and we follow Jesus Christ according to the word of God we step out of death into life we step out of darkness into marvelous light we step out of pursuing foolishness to pursue his wisdom we step out of being slaves to sin and now we are slaves to righteousness but in our journey, in our steps, if we don't take time to stop and to look backwards and look forwards, sometimes our feet will gradually drift off the path that we're on and we'll find ourselves on a completely different path. Not the path of God, but the path of ourselves. 
if we're not careful, we're like the, the hiker who never takes time to look at the sun or never takes time to look at their, their compass. And they find themselves far away from the destination they sought or the destination they um, assumed they would end up. And I pray that you don't understand, or please don't hear what I'm not saying. So don't hear that I'm saying that we walk worthy in order to earn our salvation, or we walk worthy in order to prove our righteousness. If you think you can walk in a way to earn your salvation, you'll never do it. I'll never do it. In fact, let me just say this. I wouldn't trust the best 15 minutes I've ever lived to earn me salvation. The best 15 minutes I've ever lived would not be enough to earn me salvation. Regardless, so walking worthy is walking in a manner, moment by moment, an intimate relationship with the Lord by which we honor Him, we pursue Him, we want Him. It's like a trusting child walking hand in hand with their Father, knowing that our Father is trustworthy, so therefore we can walk worthy. Even when things are difficult, even when we lose the esteem of other people, even when or even in the midst of gut-riching difficulties and things that we have to walk through, even when what we want is diametrically opposed to God's will, we walk. And we walk, and we trust Him, and we trust His purposes, and we trust what He has for us is better than any plan that we have for ourselves. So what I want to do this morning is quickly lay before you three callings related to our worthy walk. So three callings related to our worthy walk. The first is this, simply, number one, walk worthy of your calling. Brothers and sisters, walk worthy of your calling. Look at Ephesians 4, 1 and 2 again. Paul writes, I therefore, we're going to come back to that word in just a second, I therefore a prisoner for the Lord. Well, technically Paul was a prisoner of Rome, but what Paul is saying is, no, I'm not a prisoner of Rome. Rome has no power over me. Christ has all power over me, and I'm a prisoner of him. Then he says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to, you, to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Bearing with one another in love. So in Ephesians 4, Paul begins a series of walks. Here in chapter 4, verse 1, walk worthy of your calling. In chapter 4, verse 17, we're called not to walk as the Gentiles or the pagans do. In chapter 5, verse 2, we're called to walk in love. In chapters 5, verse 8, we're called to walk in light. In chapters uh, 5, verse 15, we're called to walk wisely, making the most of our time. But I want you to think about that first word in chapter uh, 4, verse 1, therefore. If you've been around here any amount of time you know, any time we see the word therefore in Scripture, we always ask the question, what is the word therefore, therefore? So what is the word therefore, therefore? And always the word therefore is pointing us back to something that has already been written, something that already has been declared or already has been stated. And what we see is what Paul is pointing us back to is the first three chapters of Ephesians where Paul has told us or revealed to us what God has already done for us. God has already done staggering and incredible things. Let me just share a few of them. In Ephesians 1.3, he has he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In Ephesians 1.4, he's chosen us in Christ before the foundation of the world. He's made us holy and blameless. In chapter 1, verses 4 through 6, in love, he predestined us, adopted us. He made us to the praise of his 
glory. In Ephesians 1, 7, he's given us redemption by his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. In chapter um, 1, verses 8 and 9, he lavished on us wisdom and insight. He's made known to us the mystery of his will. In chapter 1, verse 13, he sealed us with the Holy Spirit. Give us the Holy Spirit as a down payment or a deposit of what is coming. In chapter 1, verse 19, he's made known to us the immeasurable greatness of his power towards those who believe. In chapter 2, we are told that God took what was dead and trespasses and sins and brought us to life. He has taken us who are far off, who are lost, who are cut off, and he's made one new man for himself. By his grace, we have been saved. And then in chapter 3, he shows us the mystery of the church by which we have been caught up in, and we are able to know and grow and experience the love of God by which we experience the width of it, the depth of his love in our hearts through communion and through relationship in the church all that our God has done for us so that what we have in him so think about this because God has done all of that for us Paul says walk worthy of your calling walk worthy of your calling and according to Philippians 3.14, it's a high calling. According to 1 Timothy 1.9, it's a holy calling. According to Hebrews 3.1, it's a heavenly calling. High, holy, heavenly is our calling before God. And think about this. Who called us? God did. Who chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world? God did. Who wrote our names in the Lamb's book of life before the world even began? God did. Who, according to 1 Corinthians 1, called what, what, what was foolish, what was low, what was despised, which gives hope for all of us? And the answer is God did. God did. Don't miss this. This calling of God upon our lives is not to speak of your self-worth or my self-worth. This calling is to speak of the worth of Christ. You see, my worth, this whole picture, our worth is not based on what we have done or what we are going to do one day for God. Our worth is based on what Jesus Christ has done for us, period. For it will always be enough. We are greatly loved by God. We have been called to receive undeserving grace from our God. Let me just answer this question. When Paul says, walk worthy of your calling, people ask, well, what is the calling? A lot of people say, well, I've been called to this, I've been called to that, I've been called to something else. Ultimately, what Paul is saying is this. The calling that Paul is speaking about here is your calling unto salvation. Walk worthy of your calling unto salvation. Now, granted, we all have different calls. I have a call unto um, ministry. I know that God called me. I was there when it happened. I couldn't run from it anymore. But when it comes to our calling unto salvation, our calling is of immense worth. It's worth the best of our time and energy. We cannot give enough to it. There's nothing that will leave us more fulfilled than to give ourselves to the calling of our salvation. Walk worthy of your calling. Understand this, brothers and sisters. If, if God was done with you, you wouldn't be here. 
So the fact that God's not done with you, you're here. And because you're here means God has something for you. Stop looking around. Stop complaining. There there are people in the church today, listen, they will never be happy in any church whatsoever because they're not happy with themselves. And the reason they're not happy with themselves is they're not inside the will of God. Brothers and sisters, get yourself inside God's will. Stop being miserable outside of God's will. Get yourself happy, delighting inside the will of God, and you'll be amazed the difference. You'll be amazed the difference. Walk worthy of the calling of God upon your life. But secondly, walk worthy of your knowledge. Walk worthy of your knowledge. And if I haven't stepped on your toes yet, it's it's coming. So Colossians 1, 9 and 10, listen to the words of Paul. Paul says that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And there is a lot of biblical knowledge in this room. There's a lot of biblical knowledge in this room, and I praise God for that. But I am convinced, brothers and sisters, that we have more biblical knowledge of God's word than we do obedience to it. Let me put this personally. I have more knowledge of God's word in my mind than I have obedience in my life. I have more knowledge of God's word in my mind than I do obedience in my life. And this is a good place to lay the word worthy before you. It's the word axios in the Greek, which means the weight of another thing. It means balance scales. So what Paul is saying is that your obedience, or excuse me, your knowledge of the word of God should not be up here and your obedience down here. No, your knowledge of the word of God and your obedience should be on equal scales. It should be balanced. Meaning, here's what we do. We read the word of God and we get a nugget and we're like, oh, that's so good. I can't wait to share that. Can't, I'm so glad I got that. We shut the book and we, we move on without ever saying, God, how do you want to apply this in my life? God, how do you want this to, to look in flesh in my life? How do you want this to play out in my obedience, oh God, to you? When was the last time that you knew you were right where you were supposed to be doing exactly what God had called you to do? When was the last time you took a step of faith in confidence, um, knowing and trusting God's calling upon your life? When was the last time you read God's word and the Holy Spirit illuminated truth to you, illuminated something that God was calling you to do and you stepped out and did it? Listen, whether you realize it or not, I'm gonna, this is a groundbreaking truth. I'm about to give it to you. Whether you realize it or not, God actually intends for us to obey his word. I know that's crazy. I know it's crazy for us to think about, but God actually means for us to love him and love others, to follow him, to give and to go and to tell and to seek and to pray and do so many other things. Because when we obey God's directives through the Holy Spirit, we experience his pleasure and his joy. And in our day and age, we have a ton of Bible knowledge. We come to church. We go to Bible studies. We do different studies out outside of church but what we fail in is we fail to apply that to our lives meaning we have a lot of knowledge up here but it never reaches our feet it never impacts the way that we walk in this world and God didn't just mean to impact our minds he meant to impact our lives to change our lives for the sake of 
others. And what we see from this passage, that you may be filled with the knowledge of God. Where does that knowledge come from? The answer is, comes from God. Listen, if God didn't make himself known, we would never know him. We, wouldn't know, we don't know God because we're smart. It's not like we're the ones that have figured it out and everybody else out there just hasn't figured it out yet. No, God has revealed himself, and that is how we know him. God grants that knowledge. And every day we need the word of God. Every day we need to know the knowledge of how to walk wisely in this world. And let me just be very honest for a second. I'm probably not telling you something you don't know, but it is hard to walk worthy in this world. It's hard. The old habits of life are so binding. The worldly currents are so strong. The temptations of this world are so enticing. The flesh and the devil are so subtle. Fear is so gripping that we often falter and we fall. In a spiritual sense, let me just say this, in a spiritual sense, spiritually, our lives, our spiritual journey is about us as children seeing where we are, seeing where God is calling us, and we take a step of faith, and we, like two-year-olds or one-year-olds, we wobble a whole lot, we fall down on our bottoms, sometimes we fall flat on our face, and we get up and we do it again. But let me tell you, here's the beauty of it. If any person in this room, if you've ever been a parent or ever been a part of it, seeing a little child learning to walk, you've seen that child wobble, take a few steps, and they fall. But here's, here's what I would guess to say all across this room. As a parent or grandparent, you probably didn't spend five minutes telling your children or your child in that moment what they did wrong and why they fell. I'm willing to bet instead of doing that, you celebrated the two steps they took. Let me just tell you, from the perspective of God, the, the Apostle Paul is saying, walk in a manner worthy because he wants us to know that our Heavenly Father rejoices in the steps of faith that we take and he is not shocked when we fall. What we really need to do is realize that God is cheering for every step of faith. Every time we take the knowledge of God and it turns into obedience to God, our God cheers. Rejoices over us, as Scripture says. And when we fail, when we falter, when we fall, our God is there to pick us up. He's there to pick us up. He's there to wipe our knees or bandage our, our skinned elbows. He picks us up. That is the beauty of our God. Walk worthy of your knowledge of that. Walk worthy. So walk worthy of your calling unto salvation. Walk worthy of your, your knowledge, balance, scales. Let what you know of God be equal to your obedience to God. And then lastly, walk worthy of your God. Walk worthy of your God. In 1 Thessalonians 2, the Apostle Paul, again, is writing. And in 1 Thessalonians 2.12, he says this. We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And let me just say this again. We walk worthy of God. And please hear me or look at me. Walk worthy of God in relationship. For you see, God made you for relationship. God made you first and foremost to have a relationship with him. 
you were able to know him. You were able to walk with him. He is making himself known to you. But God also made us to have relationships with other people. God made you to need one another, that we need each other. And it should be noted that in these three verses that we have unpacked in Ephesians 4 and Colossians 1 and 1 Thessalonians 2, Paul is not writing to individual Lone Ranger Christians who are doing it on their own. No, Paul is writing to brothers and sisters who have placed themselves among the community of believers who are growing together. Please hear this. Butterflies get transformed in cocoons by themselves. Christians get transformed in community. Hear that again. Butterflies get transformed in cocoons all by themselves. Christians, we get transformed in community. Michael Horton, the Professor of theology and, and apologetics at Westminster uh, Seminary in California put it this way. When God raises our eyes from ourselves to his son through the gospel, we begin to see ourselves surrounded by a community of people who are no longer simply neighbors, but brothers and sisters. Christ and his gospel is the tie that binds. And hear this. I did not choose the people to be my brothers and sisters. God did. Like me, they are redeemed, they are called, justified by God in Christ. And there is a temptation, especially now, especially in 2021, following 2020, for believers to take their spiritual journey, hear this, alone. To walk by themselves. I believe like never before, the, the one individual that was most happy about 2020 and the term isolation was Satan himself. For from the very beginning, Satan has been trying to isolate people away from God and then through the church age, isolating people away from the body of Christ. Satan rejoices in that. He loves that. He wants you outside of community, outside of um, communion with him and with others. And think about this. This temptation to be a Lone Ranger Christian has hurt countless Christians and left many to walk through tough and tedious, difficult times, devoid of encouragement, devoid of prayer, and devoid of other people's presence. If you enjoy isolation, you do so at your own detriment. I love the fable of a story of an old man who was about to die and he gathered his sons together. And he turned to his servant and said, go get a bundle of sticks. And the Servant went and got a bundle of sticks and tied them together. And he handed it to one of his sons and said, break it. And the son tried with all of his might to break this bundle of sticks and couldn't do it. And he said, hand it to your other brother. And he handed it to the other brother and he tried and couldn't do it. The others and the, all tried and could not break this bundle. Then the father looked at the servant and said, untie them. And hand each stick or one stick to each son. So each son got a stick and the father said, break them. And they all broke them. And the father looked at his sons and says, do you know what I'm saying? And brothers and sisters, if we are not careful, we are not the bundle. If we're not careful, we're that lone stick that's easily broken, easily trampled upon, easily bent. Yet the good news about our faith journey is you don't have to walk alone. You don't have to walk alone. The reason so many believers have never changed or the reason that so many believers fall back into their old way of life is because they are not in community. 
let me just beg you this morning, stop living in isolation. Stop being okay with living outside of Christian community. Place yourself in deep community, whether it be in a life group. So get involved in a life group here and go deep. Whether it be around your table with with family, go deep. Whether it be a couple of men or a couple of women or a a few couples, go deep. And when I say community, here's what I don't mean. I don't mean just sit around and talk about the weather or talk about other things. What I mean is you live honestly and you live authentically. Now, a lot of people refuse to get involved in community. They say, well, my husband and wife, we're just good. We're good. We're we're great accountability partners. No, you're not. No, you're not. Because I tell you what happens. When it comes into a relationship with husband and wife, a lot of pride gets involved. And when our wives come to us husbands and they say, listen, I've been, been looking and you're kind of straying off the path here. I see you moving in a different direction. Instead of us going, you know, honey, you're right. We go, well, you're, your cooking's bad and I, ha- I hate your mother. And we immediately start pushing back, right? I mean, we immediately start pushing back in that way. And the, the, there's uh, something amazing happens, brothers and sisters. When we get in a relationship with other people, I've said this before and I'll say it again. The greatest hour and a half of of my week, each and every week, is Sunday at 4.30 when I gather in my office with um, other men, other brothers, and we encourage one another. We talk about life. We cry together. We pray together. We dive deep into the word together. There's no greater hour and a half of my life than doing that. And it's almost as if that's what God intended. It's almost as if God is going ding, ding, ding. You're, you're kind of getting it for just a minute. Brothers and sisters, walk worthy of your calling. Walk worthy of your knowledge and walk worthy of your God in relationship. Let me end today with the words of John Piper who says this so clearly and so powerfully. He says, the more deeply you walk with Christ, the hungrier you get for Christ the more homesick you get for heaven, the more you want to be done with sin, the more you want the bridegroom to come again, the more you want the church revived and purified with the beauty of Jesus, the more you want to see the light of the gospel, the glory of God penetrate the darkness, the more you want to see false worldviews yield to the force of truth, the more you want to see pain relieved and tears wiped away and death destroyed, the more you long for every wrong to be made right and the justice and grace of God to fill the earth. All of that from walking with the Lord. Brothers and sisters, let us walk purposefully. Let us walk passionately. Let us walk obediently. And please hear this. Let us walk together. Let us walk together. Stop being that twig. There is no pride and and no rejoicing and saying, I'm doing this on my own. No, you, you were never intended to do it on your own. God made you to need him and God made you to need others. Brothers and sisters, find people that you can lock arms with. Find people who will bear your burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Walk together. I'm going to ask you to stand and we're going to call the musicians forward as we end this time together and enter into a time of consecration. As they come, let us pray. Father, we just come before you as the one who has pursued us, God, and you initiated a relationship with each one of us.
who are in here who are of you. Father, I pray personally, God, in this word that you've given me this year, help me to walk worthy. Help me to walk worthy of the calling of salvation. Help me to also walk, walk worthy of the other callings that you have placed before, before me and into my life. Help me to walk worthy of the knowledge I have, God. I pray, Lord, that the knowledge I have would, would, would equal the obedience I have to it. That I would not just be satisfied with having a knowledge about you or about your word that doesn't work itself out in obedience. Lord, help me to walk worthy of you in relationship. In relationship with you, God, and in relationship with other brothers and sisters. God, I pray that you would fan the flame of community. That we would lock arms together uphold one another, that we would not run away from community, but that we would run to it. God, just have your way. Finish this time. In Jesus' name.